Stephen Hackett is one of my favorite podcasters and co-founder of my favorite podcast network, Relay FM. Back in 2018, I spoke to his co-founder, Mike Hurley, about starting podcasts and some tips and tricks he had to offer. Since then, Relay has really ramped up their membership program, and I thought Stephen would be the perfect guy to talk to about putting out tons of content and deciding what to make free and what to make paid and how to balance that across lots of different hosts and different shows. I think they're doing a fantastic job over there, and Stephen's inspired me to reconsider my own membership program for this show. Have a listen. I know you'll get some great ideas about memberships, finding a group of diverse voices, and much, much more. But first, let's hear from our first sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Yes Please Coffee. Upgrade your morning with Yes Please. This fantastic coffee subscription will send freshly roasted beans to your door with no fuss. Pick your size and how often you need beans and they'll ship you a unique blend of expertly sourced and roasted coffee beans. I've been drinking Yes Please Coffee for a few weeks now and I have been loving it. Each week I get to try a new blend of flavors that helps me mix up my mornings. And the best part is I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to go to some new roasters website, look at all the flavors, wonder if I'm actually gonna like it or not, and then finally order. Every week, Yes Please just sends me coffee and it's new and different and delicious. Each shipment even comes with an info card about the beans and some other information like reading lists and extra stuff that I just enjoy getting in the mail with my coffee. So if you're ready to upgrade your mornings with unique blends of coffee beans, sign up today. Head over to howibuilt.it slash yes and use the code H-I-B-I for $5 off your subscription. And don't worry, if you're going on vacation or you have a little too much some weeks, you can skip shipments or cancel anytime. Again, upgrade your mornings with coffee, great coffee, from Yes Please at howibuilt.it slash yes and use the code H-I-B-I for $5 off. Fantastic, delicious coffee beans shipped right to you. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that today? My guest is Stephen Hackett. He is the co-founder of Relay FM, a podcast network that I am a very big fan of, so I'm happy to have him on the show. Stephen, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for the kind words about Relay. That means a lot. Yeah, my pleasure. I, <laughs> I regularly mention your shows on this show because... Relay probably accounts for like 70% of the podcasts I actively listen to. Sweet. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So you guys are doing really great work over there. And that's one of the reasons um, I wanted to have you on. Because this this season of my show, uh, I'm focusing a lot on how small business owners can uh, increase their audience and their reach through good content. You you all over at Relay FM have a, a penchant for putting out good content. So I figure we could uh, we could dig deep into that. Um, but first, why don't we start off with a, a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So 
Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a native of Memphis, Tennessee. So if I sound like I'm talking slowly, that's just how I speak. Just <laughs> I came through it naturally. <laughs> and uh, I've got a background both in journalism and tech. I went to journalism school, but then had an IT career for about 10 years or so before the podcasting thing kind of became my full-time job. And as we record this, I'm coming up on five years of doing podcasting and content creation as my full-time job, which is very exciting. It's it's hard wow. to believe it's been that long. Yeah, and, uh, so yeah that, that's kind of me. I, I mostly focus on, in the content that I make, mo- mostly focus on Apple and technology history, but Relay covers a lot, a lot more than that, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so um, I, I don't think I realized that you had a background in journalism. I, I you know, one of your shows is uh, Mac Power Users, and I listen to that a lot and connected where you've mentioned your background as a, um, a, a, Apple, a Apple Store genius. Is that yeah. like the official title? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, That's the ridiculous title. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but I, I didn't realize that you were in uh, journalism too, but... Um, so how did you so how did you get into podcasting initially? Yeah, so for me it was a long and winding road. I so I, did, I got my journalism degree, but I graduated in the middle of the recession, and there weren't any any real journalism jobs. And I had worked at Apple at the Genius Bar for my last couple of years in college, and then pursued an IT career full time. But after I left the Apple Store, I started blogging at five twelve pixels dot net, which I've run continuously now for almost 12 years. I just wanted to write about technology and design and kind of where those things met. And I thought, well, I know a lot about tech, but I have this, you know, education and how to write and how to tell stories. And so I combined those uh, in blogging because it was, you know, 2008, 2009, that's what, what mm-hmm. you did. <laughs> uh, a couple years later, I met Mike Hurley, my co-founder at Relay FM. He had a, a little tech show at the time and he interviewed me after reading some stuff that I had written about, I think the iPad launch or something, it was about that time. And he and I really hit it off. And eventually we started doing a couple of projects together. And then it sort of spun up over time uh, until, you know, six years ago when we started Relay FM as a company, uh, you know, kind of slowly burning it from a hobby into a career. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, so we, we, I interviewed Mike uh, on this podcast. I will link to that in the show notes, which will be available um, over at How I Built It, along with links to uh, all of Steven's content here, because there's a lot. Um, the 512 Pixels, I think, is really interesting because you're a bit of a Mac historian uh, or an Apple historian, I would yeah. say, uh, which I, I just like, I, I like that content a lot um, because I'm, I'm a, you know, I have a degree in software engineering. I've been in t- into computers for my whole life, basically. But I didn't. I didn't get into Apple until probably two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Uh, I was a bit of a hater <laughs> up until then, uh, and then I saw the light. Um, uh, so, actually, quick fun fact: I switched from Android to Apple in twenty fifteen, twenty, okay. and uh, Phil Schiller tweeted a link to the blog post about me switching. He didn't like retweet it or anything. He just tweeted Joe switched and then a link to my blog. And That's that cool. is the, to date the most popular uh, uh, blog post I've ever written. I bet. But My, my <laughs> so. only interaction with Phil, I have a couple interactions with Phil, Phil Schiller. One of them was I was going through some Apple archive stuff 
that I had found online. I found a picture of like very 90s Phil Schiller with like kind of mm-hmm. hair over his collar and I tweeted it <laughs> at him and then he responded with like some song lyrics from the 80s, which is pretty funny. Uh, and then we went back and forth once about a picture of a squirrel they used in a keynote. And like years later, they're like, oh, it's another picture of the same squirrel. And we talked about that uh, briefly. So yeah, it's, it's fun. I think out of all the Apple executives, he is the most sort of outgoing on social media. Like Tim Cook is there yeah. to announce things. and mm-hmm. uh, But Phil Schiller, he gets in there and shares links. I know he shared a lot of links to uh, Mac Stories, which is written by my co-host on Connected, Federico Vitici. A lot of yep. things Federico's written, uh, Phil Schiller will share. And that's always really cool to see someone be engaged with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, awesome. So, okay. So we have the stage set a little bit. Um, and so... Let's uh, let's talk about podcast networks. You run a podcast network. I've talked about just starting a podcast or... <laughs> Sorry about this. Do you hear that at all? Uh, I don't. Okay. Alexa decided she was just going to start yelling about <laughs> prizes at me. I'm going to go turn her off real quick. Alexa, order paper towels. Can't hear me. I muted it and it's still talking. Yeah. And I have no idea why. Yeah, I keep my home pod in my office set to not listen because it would just go off all the time. <laughs> it was like apropos of nothing. She was like, Welcome to Alexa Prize. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Alexa, stop. Oh boy. Uh so I'm gonna clap my hands and restart that question. Right. <laughs> so I've talked a lot about podcasting on the show. I've interviewed people about starting podcasts, but we haven't really talked about podcast networks. Um, Mm -hmm. So could you tell us a little bit about what a podcast network is and what the benefits are of running one? Sure. So, I mean, the way we view it is it's just like a a TV network. So let's talk about ESPN for an example. I know there are a lot of people out there who may not be sports fans, but I think it's a good analogy where you have this sort of central company, and, and it can do all the tech and all the business stuff, but then you have a bunch of different shows covering a bunch of different things. So it's, you know, on ESPN, it changes throughout the year, but you got people covering baseball, basketball, football, whatever. But they're all kind of doing it under the umbrella of ESPN, but they all have their own voices, and, you know, the different shows look and sound different. And that's really kind of the way that we view it. Relay FM exists to be a backbone for a lot of creators to do their own thing. Uh, that wasn't necessarily what we started out thinking. We really started the network because we had this handful of shows and we needed some place to put them all. Um, and I, I think Mike, uh, in your interview with him, y'all talked some about his history. Our history obviously is the same in a lot of ways, but he had a little network and then we were on 5x5 five five for a while. And then when we left, it was like, okay, we got we to gotta have a network because we have these five shows and we want more. But the goal wasn't ever really to build a network. The goal was just to build a place to put all of our shows. And over time, our vision of that has shifted a little bit. And now we are just as interested in making content as we are making a place for other people to make their content. And so there's a lot of shows now that we're not on, that we have, you know, other than support, have very little to do with. But they're on the, the, on, they're on the network. They're doing their own thing. And so it's kind of become an umbrella for a lot of people to work under. And that's something we're really proud of. Yeah, that's really fantastic because I think probably a barrier for a lot of people is uh, actually starting the podcast. How do I host it? What do I do? How do I get the artwork together and things like that? Yeah. Um, you know, is this just going to be like a, a, a money pit for me? I think that's <laughs> probably something a lot of people think sure. about. 
Um, and it sounds like, you know, with the podcast network, uh, in- individual podcasters might get a little bit more support by having some people who are uh, experienced helping them out. Yeah, our goal really is if someone shows up, we're going to start a show, and I think we're going to talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. We want to take care of everything we can so they can just show up and do what they do best, talking to the microphone, share their ideas and thoughts on things. And yeah, so that means that we have a graphic designer on retainer. That means that we built our own content management system, which makes it really easy to publish the stuff and and put all the links together in the show notes. It means that we have a hosting solution already built for them. And so they really can, and a lot of our hosts do, just show up and hit record every couple of weeks or every week or whatever it is. And we take care of the rest. We even have a freelance editor who does a lot of our editing. We have some hosts that want to do more. So like I edit you know, the bunch of shows that I'm on. Mike edits a bunch of shows that he's on. But not everyone has those skills or those time because a lot of our hosts, podcasting is not their full-time job. It may be part mm-hmm. of their job, but they may also have a day job and there's podcasting um, on the side, right? And so we can provide solutions to all that other stuff so they can focus on their content. And we found that that works really well over the years. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, that sounds really fantastic. Um, especially like, you know, I, I do some editing sometimes, but I mostly uh, hire an editor out mm-hmm. to do this stuff, even though he's just basically lining up the audio. Sure. Um, sorry, sorry, Joel. I don't mean to like disparage <laughs> Joel, we love you. you. Do. Yeah, like you're so great. <laughs> you so, don't leave. Um, don't leave, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's great to have that kind of support. Um, and so is, you know, I've, I've heard some opinions. Um, I think Mike might have mentioned this, that like a podcast network today might not be something one needs, but um, if you have multiple shows or if you are having trouble kind of getting up and running on your own, is is a podcast network something that uh, anybody can or should look into? Uh, I just think it depends on where you are. If you are a creator and you have multiple shows, yeah, maybe it makes sense to have some sort of branding shared between them. Because that's the other really important Mm -hmm. part about Relay is we have this idea that if you see a show with our branding, you should know what you're going to get. Because like, mm-hmm. if you think about it sort of objectively, finding a podcast is a really weird thing because Apple, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castro, you know, wherever you're listening, Spotify now, yeah, <laughs> you're looking at visual artwork to decide on what audio program to listen to. That's goofy, right? And, you know, some people are trying to change stuff around that. But for us, it means that all of our branding is really tight. So if someone sees artwork with that Gotham typeface and that R on, you know, on the cut on the upper left-hand corner. If they're familiar with any of our work, we want it to speak well of, of other work. And if you're a creator out there and you have these multiple projects, that can be a really powerful thing. If someone likes one thing you do and they stumble across something else you do, you want to be able to link those two things together for them. You don't have to have a network to do that, but it may help. Uh, the, the problem a lot of people run into is there's not a lot of great solutions out there to build a network on. So Mike's little network that he had before 5x5, we had we had built on Squarespace. You can totally do that. Disclaimer, Squarespace sponsors a bunch of work that I do, but it's <laughs> a great podcasting platform. Mm-hmm. And there's some others that have sort of put the network idea out there. I think Fireside, you can do some things like relate shows together, but most sort of uh, software as a service for podcasting is really still built around the idea of a single show when it comes to hosting and having a website and stuff. So you can kind of hobble something together. 
but at the same time, I also agree with Mike that you should focus on your content first and only build the network if it's something that you that you really need. And it was something that we really needed at the time, and, and we definitely need now. But, you know, most people starting out don't need that. And I would say, you know, if you've got one or two podcasts and you're thinking about adding some more, like, you know, make sure that your first ones are really solid before you do that. I think people want to branch out and do more maybe too quickly. I know myself, I'm guilty of that at times. And so all of that has to be taken into account. The branding, the tech, is it the right answer for your project and your business? It's a a complicated set of questions. Yeah, and I mean, especially, right, finding like a good platform to manage everything is is super important. I'm a web developer um, by trade. I've been embedded in, in WordPress since... Uh, I think it was like less than a year old when I started using it. Okay. And so I know a lot of people in my field will say, well, you could do that easily with WordPress. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, easily is definitely a word I would not use for that. Sure. Um, it's possible, of course, but finding a good platform, um, you know, you, uh, I've heard that you've mentioned that you built your own CMS. It, was that a custom build or was that based on some other software? Uh, someone had built sort of a, a very small version of it and we purchased it from them and have run with, run with it now. And it, it does a lot of stuff more, uh, than it ever did in the beginning. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's custom to us and it's, uh, for us, it's really powerful because, uh, for instance, we're like right on the edge of doing some cool membership stuff and like, okay, well, like I need these features in the CMS. I talked to our developer, you know, we map them out and figure it out. So for us at our scale, it makes sense, but starting out, uh, I don't think it does. You know, I think if you're starting mm-hmm. out with one or two shows, you can go a really long way having them on something like Transistor or Simplecast or something, and just sort of right. branding them to look alike. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or um, you know, like there's a WordPress plugin that allows you to have like multiple shows in one yeah. WordPress instance, right? Um, so that that makes a lot of sense. And then for for hosting, just because I'm uh, for audio hosting, uh, is this is that something that you rolled your own, or are you using one of the one of the bigger names? Yeah, we use Libsyn. Uh, okay. You know, the, the the file hosting itself is a business that we didn't necessarily want to be in. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do. Like it's hard to keep those costs right. Yeah. And and honestly, Libsyn has been doing it really for a long time, and they're really good at it. And so. Uh, we all of our MP3s are actually hosted on Lipson, and then we feed them into our CMS, where all the metadata and show notes and everything get added to it before it goes out the door. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and that's same exact way I do it. I basically just treat Lipson as like a a file repository. Yep. And yep. then my website is everything else. Yeah, and you get um, stats through Lipson and stuff, and mm-hmm. they use the IAB stat system, so you know the stats are going to be consistent. And yeah, so for us, it's it's really like the back end to the back end. This episode is brought to you by iThemes. Did you know that 60% of website breaches occur because a vulnerability could have been patched but wasn't? That means having software with known vulnerabilities installed on your site gives hackers the blueprint they need to take over your site. Every day, it gets harder and harder to keep track of every disclosed WordPress vulnerability. You have to compare that list to your plugins and themes by version and make sure you're constantly updating. To solve this problem, the iThemes Security Pro plugin created a better way to protect your sites against software vulnerabilities. 
the number one culprit of WordPress sites. The new improved WordPress security site scan, powered by iThemes, performs automatic checks for known website vulnerabilities and automatically applies available fixes so you don't have to. Whew, that's some peace of mind. And I could speak personally to this because as somebody who has repaired hacked websites, I know that it could be costly and dangerous to lose information, especially when it's personally identifiable. So iThemes Security Pro also includes a ton of other features to help you keep the bad guys out. Brute force protection, two-factor authentication, passwordless logins, and compromised password protection. Plus a whole lot more to keep you safe. If you want to start securing your sites today, head over to howibuilt.it slash iThemes to get the best WordPress security plugin to secure and protect WordPress iThemes is giving How I Built It listeners a 20% discount by using the code HowIBuiltIt at checkout. Again, that's HowIBuilt.it slash iThemes. That's HowIBuilt.it slash I-T-H-E-M-E-S. And use the code HowIBuiltIt at checkout for 20% off. And now, back to the show. As you mentioned, starting a podcast network, uh, you want to make sure that maybe your first couple of shows are really good before uh, branching out and doing a whole bunch. How did you decide your first slate of shows for Relay, right? Because you, both you and Mike were doing, I think, probably more than one podcast by the time Relay FM started, right? I was just doing one. Uh, Mike was doing four, and then we added a fifth. And so to, to back into the history a little bit. We were on 5x5, Five Five, another network, um, and we had several shows there. Some of them came from Mike's original network that, that he had. Some of them we started new on 5x5, Five Five, but when it was time to to branch out on our own, we looked at the shows we had and we selected four to carry on to whatever the new thing was going to be. Uh, and those were Connected, The Pen Addict, Inquisitive, and Virtual. Um, the Connected had pre-existed as The Prompt, Pen Addict mm-hmm. is actually Mike's oldest show. And then Inqu- Inquisitive oh. was like Mike's interview show. It's it's kind of been put to rest now. And then Virtual is now Remaster, where they talk about video games. So we had we had four shows that were pre-existing that we rebranded, but we knew, okay, the the this show is basically going to be the same here on this this new thing. And then we added analog where Mike and Casey List speak about uh feelings and stuff. So <laughs> we launched with five and Looking back at that now, it's been almost six years. That was a lot to launch with, but the, what we were doing, because we were already doing it, it didn't seem like a lot. We were already doing multiple shows. You know, starting at zero, like if you weren't aware of our, our work previously to Relay FM, five shows would look like a lot, but it, it really wasn't because we were already kind of up and running at that speed. Um, one thing we did... Uh, did not do a good job at though was diversity. If you look at those original shows, it's a bunch of dudes. And that mm-hmm. was something that we we were wrong about. And we've worked really hard in the years since to uh to to correct. And we still obviously have a lot uh a lot of work to do in that area. But that was something when I look back at that that early slate of shows is something I, I wish we had done a better job of. Yeah. And that could be really tough, right? I, I was told early on, you know, I think after my first like 50 episodes or so that um, this show was not very diverse, and 
even today, like as I'm actively thinking about it, you know, back then, first of all, it was easy for me to say, well, you know, like the tech space is mostly white dudes. So what am I supposed to do? But, um, you know, even like active, like keeping that in mind today and doing this uh, when I, when I reach out to guests, uh, it's, it, it could be tough. Uh, do you have any tips? I, I, this is not something that I, I kind of told you I would ask you and I just thought (laughs) of it now, but, um, is there anything that you found works in order to try to find more a more diverse set of voices for your shows, either for for guests or for uh, for new shows? It just I would say that it requires work. That the mm-hmm. default, unfortunately, in the tech industry is me, right? It's like you know, yeah. middle aged white dude with kind of a beard, and that is something that you just have to be really aware of and really work on. And so for us, it means that we're always looking at new voices in the space. If people launch projects. You know, we check out and listen to a lot of stuff that we don't necessarily talk about. Just kind of seeing who's out there, seeing what people are doing. Uh, we also look at the guests that we've had in the past and guests on other shows, like not on Relay, and try to find new voices that way. But really, it's I think it's most important just to to always be aware of it. And when we launch a new show or we're thinking about a new show, that's always one of the questions. Like, does this further our our efforts in this area? Does it is it is it something that we want to do just because we want to do it or is it something that we need to change or something we need to push harder on to find the right people and the right voices. And so that's always part of the conversation when we are launching something new or honestly, when a project winds down, you know, if a project is, it ends, which happens sometimes, you know, what does that do, um, you know, from the diversity angle? Are we losing a voice that we really want on the network? Do we want to create mm-hmm. a, a different project with that person? We want to keep them as part of the Relay family. And, you know, we've had people kind of come and go over the years, but that's the, the really what I'm saying is it always has to be part of the conversation. If it's something that you just think about in the last minute, you're already doing it wrong. It's got to be just part of the conversation, part of the fabric of your decision making at all times. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. It's it, and like you said, it does take work. Um, because you know, it's it's I'm pretty active in my communities and. I I really need to sit down and think and say like who you know who is not just going to be another like you said version of me I'm in my mid thirties I'm a white guy with a beard uh, <laughs> there's a lot of us so uh, how do I bring mm-hmm. new voices onto the show um, yeah and the thing is those voices are out there right mm-hmm. it, it is a matter of uh, of not only doing the work to to find them and approach those people and and be and present yourself as approachable to the world right I never want someone to think that they can't contact me about something or ask me a question. But also the more we do that, so the more that young people look to podcasts and whatever field they're interested in, and the more likely they are to see someone who looks like them, to hear someone that sounds like them, the more likely they are to want to get involved in the future, right? So I view this as not only are we working to make the present better, we're also working to make the future better. Yeah, I I like that a lot. It echoes a lot of what I I think about in the programming space too. Because, yeah. um, programming space is mostly guys and and whatever. You know, I my, my I think my graduating class was all guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just again things to think about. If if we include more people now, that's better for for the future, especially. Um, I think about that a lot more now that I have a daughter, which I guess is I don't know if that's wrong or right, but it's something that's true of me. Sure. Um, so anyway, uh, so you had your first slate of shows and, and we, we just touched on this a little bit, but you, you have added more shows since then. Um, 
do you, is it when you uh, add a new show to your network, is it people pitching you? Do you do outreach? Is it some combination of both? Yeah, it's it's a combination of both. We get a lot of pitches. We get pitches almost every day. And, you know, the reality is we just can't respond to all of them. It, mm-hmm. You know, I try to, but it's it's difficult to do. But sometimes someone pitches an idea and it's like, oh, this is a really interesting idea. Or you do seem like you've got something to say that's unique. Maybe we should have a conversation. Over time, though, it has shifted more towards us instigating projects or finding somebody to work with through either people we already know or other outlets, finding somebody, finding a project to bring on to the network. So it is it is a little bit of both. You know, we're, we're not some, we're not like an open platform, right? We always get an email like, hey, how do I get my show on your network? It's like, well, that's not how that works at all. <laughs> um, you know, it's a partnership. It's something that we, we enter to. We're not a hosting service. But it is something that we do spend a lot of time on. And, you know, Relay, really the first couple of years really grew pretty quickly in terms of the number of shows. And that slowed way down over the years. And that's also on purpose. We want to really focus on what we have in the roster now, making sure that everything we're doing now is sustainable and healthy. And and when we add things now, they are much more, not much more considered, that's not the right way to say it, but it's, it's, it's much more rare to do it now. Uh, something else we've changed in thinking about new shows is we openly now discuss, like, is this show open-ended or is it going to be have seasons, or is it going to be a short-run mm. show? And so uh, Flashback, which is a show I do with Quinn Nelson uh, of Snazzy yep. Labs over on YouTube, a show called Flashback, he and I are just doing one season so far. So we did 10 episodes. Uh, episode 10 will be out a few weeks after we record this. And then we'll be back in the fall sometime with season two. And so we're taking a break over the summer. That's, ne- that's never something we, w- we would have done in the early days. But now we feel like we have the freedom to sort of mix and match formats and and schedules if if needed. And uh, so that's something we've experimented with as well as we've gotten a little bit older. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, I, and you know, I think, I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I, I think it's really important to experiment here. And I've, I've, I've been enjoying Flashback a lot. Thank uh, you. Uh, yeah. Um, when, when you talked about, when you all talked about the Zune, I, like, I lament the Zune's demise regularly. Like I thought it was such a great thing. <laughs> uh, but that's so um I'm trying to think of kind of the the best way to put this because I don't want to make it seem like you are actively accepting pitches or it's something that you regularly do. Obviously you just said you don't, but what makes a good pitch? Uh, you know, if let's say that there are networks out there actively looking for pitches, uh, I suspect that just going to a network and saying, I have an idea for a podcast is probably not the best. Yeah, what we want to see is a project that already has been proven. Mm-hmm. One thing that comes with our scale now is we really can't we can't really do a project that we don't feel confident would be successful to some degree. And so if you've never had a podcast before and you just have an idea, my answer always is go do it, right? Get some episodes under your belt and let me know how it goes. And that that's not a promise that we would have you on the network at some point. It's just a, you need to go do it. Like you need to go and launch something and record something and see see if it's for you. We don't want to be in a situation where we invest in a new show and it doesn't go anywhere and that's kind of a, a bad deal for everybody, right? And it yeah. uh, 
it's tricky because podcasts at the end of the day, it's really just a trade for content for people's time. Sometimes content for money, um, but Mm -hmm. mostly just time. And we want to be really respectful of that. And that means that we aren't super willing to jump into a project that is from somebody who hasn't done one successfully yet or one that hasn't been proven yet. That's not to say that we don't work with people who are new to podcasting. Most of our hosts were new to podcasting when they started on Relay. But we want to know that someone has the follow-through and that the idea is right and that sort of thing. And so if you've got nothing but an idea, that's not really a pitch. That's just an idea. Uh, I think a pitch includes actual work. Um, I think, too, the idea of... Yeah, and it, it, we're kind of bleeding into the question of what makes a good show, but I think that's kind right, of the right. same question. Yeah, but. yeah, I, yeah, that's perfectly fine, right? So, like, you know, this kind of talks about what goes into evaluating a show, which is also, I think, yeah. something that's really important. Yeah, and yeah. so what, what I think about is what's the show's or the host's, like, unfair advantage? And that's, like, a goofy business term that I hate, but it, it <laughs> works. You know, what can you speak into where your point of view is unique, that you have something to bring to the table, especially in tech where we already have so much overlap and Mm -hmm. there's only so many things to cover in tech. It's really got to stand out in in a couple of ways. And it would be different if we were a network of fiction podcast or true crime or something like that where it's broader. Like if you're doing fiction, like there's no limit, right? Literally the limit is your imagination. But when you cover content areas, we got to make sure that something is is unique. Something like flashback. Quinn and I had no interest in doing a tech news show. Relay's got a bunch of them. There are a bunch of really good ones not on Relay. It's like, what can we do that's different? And you know, Quinn and I talked about that show for a year, and we talked about wow. what our interests were, and we just got to know each other, and like we both kind of like realized that we had this shared interest in technology history. It's like, you know what? Maybe there's something there, and we talked and thought and talked and thought and we came up with this idea of let's talk about things that failed and what happened right and it's been successful and it's been a lot of fun and so that's really kind of what what I mean by an unfair advantage it's something that other people aren't necessarily doing or you can do it in a way that is unique or better than other people and so for Quinn and I we have a really deep shared history of tech uh, me with Apple him mostly outside of Apple Uh, as far as history stuff, and uh, we make a good team in that. So thinking about those things are are really really important because, honestly, the the world probably doesn't need another show running down the tech headlines of the week, but there's always room for something that's creative and engaging and interesting and funny based on any topic, including tech. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I I like, so, I mean, talking about flashback for a minute, um, you released that, I don't know if it was purposefully in conjunction with, but at the same time as uh, test drivers. Um, oh, yeah. nothing's, with, uh, nothing's by accident, my friend. <laughs> yeah, we, it was designed to come out at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That it feels that way, right? Because it's almost like two sides of the same coin. You're talking mm-hmm. about history and then um, Mike and... Uh, Austin. Oh my gosh. Uh, Austin, right. Um, are, uh, are kind of testing out new yeah. technology and trying out new things. So I thought that was really interesting. And again... Uh, a, a unique concept, I think, in, in podcasting. You don't really hear too much of that. Um, whereas, like, interviews like this almost are are a dime a dozen, too. I, I constantly think of, of what my unfair advantage could be. Um, and, and when it first launched, it was almost like, 
I was not just telling the success story or I was digging into like the tech side of business and it's evolved a bit since then, but that's really important to make your show stand out. And I think mm-hmm. that's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important and it can be just as different as where we're going to test new stuff and do it through this lens. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and with the test drivers, Austin is a successful tech YouTuber he has access to a lot of companies. He reviews a lot of products. And so for him to say, what's up with Android tablets? You know, it's different than to me. <laughs> I have to go buy one. Like, I don't right. I don't have a flow of review that's coming through my office. Yeah. <laughs> and so he could tap into what he was already doing. And, and the show, in a way, is an extension of his work elsewhere. And and that makes it a more natural fit. It means that it's it's got overlap with what his audience expects elsewhere. And it means that those people are really receptive to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so, uh, aside from kind of like the what sets it apart, uh, there's a few other things that go into evaluating a podcast. Um, you know, we have written down here like format schedule, host chemistry. Uh, so, as far as format goes, and there is like, we can kind of loop in the last question here too, right? Because sure. um, uh, as far as format goes... I think picking the right format is important because you don't want to lock yourself in too much, but you don't want to give yourself like this wide open uh, space where you're like, where do I start? Right. Like, right. So what, what advice do you have about kind of evaluating on format and schedule and things like that? I think one piece of advice is just because you start with something doesn't mean it has to be that forever. Mm-hmm. You can introduce additional things. So upgrade, I think is a good example of that on relay where, Started as Mike and Jason talking about Apple stuff, but over the years, they've added things like Upstream, where they talk about the streaming media landscape, which is super Mm -hmm. fascinating, right? Amazon, Hulu, Apple, everybody. But that wasn't a thing when they started the show six years ago. And they've added it to the show, and now it's a big part of what they do. And so you can adapt things, you can plug things in, you can change things over time. Um, Another thing I think can be really helpful is you could have a couple of different formats and interchange between them. So on Mac Power Users, David and I have really three types of shows. We have deep dives where we talk about an app or some sort of workflow for an hour and a half, right? So we talk about Keyboard Maestro or Better Touch Tool or the Photos app or iCloud, and that's it. We go deep. We talk about the features, tips, gotchas, like, you know, if you want to learn about photos, this is 90 minutes for you. Uh, and then we have interview shows. We recently had James Thompson on. We talked about his history, his development of PCALC, which he's developed for decades, this great calculator app for the Mac and iOS devices. And it's not a show about PCALC, it's a show about James, you know, our friend doing this really cool project for a really long time and talking about the tech, but through the angle of his story. And then we do feedback shows, which are basically just follow-up shows or, you know, topics that got cut or things that we want to circle back on. And... We just rotate between them, and, you know, it's content show, interview shows, a feedback show every every six weeks, eight weeks or so, and it's really freeing to kind of bounce between them. And it's not jarring because we, the audience has learned to expect those changes. So if you're starting a show and, you know, the first 10 are about content of some sort, and you say, hey, you know, next week uh, we've got an interview with somebody who's an expert in this field, and you interview them and it can be as easy as saying, hey, you know, this is something we want to do more of, so keep an eye out for future interviews. That's all it takes. And then the audience right. kind of expects that, okay, this show does interviews sometimes. No big deal, right? And so you can you can do that. The audience will follow you 
in those things as long as you tell them what you're doing. You don't need to drop an interview in if you've done 35 episodes of no interviews, right? You've got to you got to steer the ship a little bit, but that freedom to mix it up, to change it up can keep things really fresh. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for that. Um, and as a quick aside, the photos episode of Mac Power Users, I will link directly to that one because I gained I gained a lot from that episode. I just moved my library off to a, a one terabyte SSD drive like, awesome. super recently. So um, I got a lot from that episode. And then the the um, the episode, the interview you did uh, with the uh, the space photography guy. I'm, that's not doing justice really to what he does, but uh, that that episode I thought was really fascinating as well. Yeah, it's fun <laughs> to get different people on on that show and to have you know a wide range of topics and things. And it's another place where we can have a diverse set of voices. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it probably makes it a little bit um, easier for uh, you and and David as well because you know you're not. I don't know how much you script or how much you outline, but I'm sure the feedback episodes probably lighten the load a little bit from like yeah. the deep dives, right? Oh, because, yeah. The, the deep yeah. dives, we so we outline every episode of MPU, but the deep the deep dives can be five, six, seven pages of outlines, especially if there's something like Keyboard Maestro or any automation mm-hmm. type thing where you're talking about, okay, this app has 15 ways to trigger something. Well, we got to talk about all 15, right? <laughs> so it's like, that just takes right. up a lot of space. and uh, And yeah, a lot of those outlines for MPU, those deep dives, we're working on several of them at a time, usually. It's not always wow. the case, but usually it is, where we sit down, Dave and I sit down about once a month and plan the next four to six weeks out. And we often say, okay, I'm, I'll take this one, you take that one, you know, you kind of lead this interview, I'll lead this interview. And so we split the work up between us, but even then it is a, a lot of time. I mean, MPU is, you know, for every hour on the air, I probably have at least another hour in research and prep, if not more, probably wow. a couple hours, depending on the topic, if I'm not real familiar with it myself. So yeah, uh, hopefully it, it shows, but it is a, a time-consuming project. But one that we're really happy that people can, years later, listen to photos or drafts or whatever it is, OmniFocus, and learn something, that's really cool, that that back catalog can be so useful. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it, well, it definitely does show. And I think that's a really good point to make is, is, um, you know, I'm, you mentioned that you were from Memphis and that's why you talk. So I'm from New York, which is probably why I talk fast. Uh, and yeah. I tend to do things a little fast sometimes, but w- with the show content like this, I try to slow down, think of the questions I want to ask because I want to have good content for people to listen to. Like you said, we're trading time for content and that's uh, that's important, right? Because if someone doesn't like, the, if if you're not putting the right effort into it, there's lots of other podcasts that people can uh, fill their time with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can I can feel when I listen to a show. I can tell when they haven't prepared. And the worst thing is like, don't say you didn't prepare, right? Like even if you didn't, <laughs> just don't say it. Edit it out. Yeah, uh, because I, yep. as a listener, feel disrespected, right? Like I only have a set amount of time a week to listen to something. I've chosen to invest that time in your show. And if you couldn't be bothered to prepare, then why should I bother listening, right? Like if 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 you don't right. care about it, and that's how I read that, I don't, I shouldn't care about it, right? And so we spend a lot of time in preparation of all of our shows. And it's different per show because it's different hosts and different chemistry, different things. But that prep work is vital to how 
how we work. And I think it pays off because uh, the shows can will be much more organized and you don't leave out obvious things. Right? If you think about something for two weeks, you're going to go down every rabbit hole mentally. And that means that you can pull out the important ones in your conversation. Today's episode is brought to you by Smile and their product, Text Expander. Save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. You know I'm all about automation and Text Expander is a great way to get started with automation. It allows you to create your own snippets for repetitive text you tend to use everywhere. Add the text, create a snippet, and boom, save precious time and keystrokes. One of my favorite snippets is for my address. So instead of typing out my full address and risking typos, I simply type dollar sign A-D-D-R and Text Expander does the rest, filling in my full address for me. I also have snippets for my street, my city, and my zip code. But that's not all Text Expander does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is when I type PPT. That will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it to plain text. So I'm no longer fighting formatting when I copy from a Word document, a Google Doc, or a plain HTML page, like a website. I also use it for common links, email messages, which I can completely customize with fill-ins and drop-down menus, and even date calculations. I'm currently writing a book, and Text Expander has been instrumental with that. Text Expander is available on macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. So pretty much anywhere you do computing. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or automation in general, now's the time. As a listener, you can get 20% off your first year. Just visit textexpander.com/podcast and let them know how I built it sent you. That's textexpander.com/podcast for 20% off your first year. And now, back to the show. I'm going to kind of combine this next question with uh, with another thought that I had. I recently wrote a blog <laughs> post about whether you should or should not script a show. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know, I've heard you talk about demo episodes kind of to make sure the idea is good, that you have good chemistry. Um, and I suspect that since I think all of your shows, you have at least one co-host. Is that accurate? Yeah, I don't do anything alone. Mm-hmm. And so you probably don't script those shows. Well, actually, that's not even true. I, I know of one that you script, right? Yeah, we script on Genius, which is okay. a show Mike and I talk about weird stuff on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. But that show um, is totally different. Right? It's completely yeah. edited. Like there's no ums or ahs or restatements. It's very tight. It's usually only 10 minutes long. So that's different than an hour and 45 minutes of Connected where me, Mike, and Federico are talking about whatever. And so it's right. a different beast. Uh, but yeah, everything we do is at the very least, outlined. And outlines are just, like the way I've I've explained it in the past is they're sort of like the flags that you need to, the gates you need to hit going down the ski slope, right? You can deviate and you can have freedom to do something else, but they're just milestones we want to make sure we pass. And it's not about reading something uh, exactly, but just making sure that everything we've thought about gets covered in one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, and and so you script on Genius specifically because it is is a it's a short show, right? It's a very short form show. Is that accurate? Yeah, very short form, and it that was just something that we wanted to be part of the personality of the show, where mm-hmm. the show just is very tight. 
And that works really well for that show. You couldn't, I couldn't do that at least with an hour long show because A, the script right. would be a billion pages long <laughs> and yeah. the edit would take forever. But on a short show like that, where we want it to be like a little snack, podcast snack is what Mike calls it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then it's, uh, it was important to us to make it just really as uh, smooth and as well packaged as possible. Yeah. And that's, that's really well done, I think, because I, I, did not realize it was scripted until you explicitly mentioned it <laughs> at, <laughs> at some point. Yeah, yeah, we definitely lift from the script at times, but yeah. overall, we uh, we we tend to stay on it. Gotcha. Um, and so the second part of this question, uh, which is, I've heard you talk about demo episodes. Uh, what are the odds that a show will get scrapped at this phase? You know, I, I was thinking about that. Um, I think that. We've probably had a project or two that died in the demo stage, or, or lots of plans that have died in the planning stage, right? Mm-hmm. Again, think about you think think about an idea, and it takes like two weeks. Like, oh, that's not a good idea at all. Uh, so, a lot of projects never even make it to demo, right? Where just someone has an idea, we talk about it, and it doesn't work out for whatever reason. Um, but for us, though, because we have the experience we have, de- if we've made it to a demo. Most of the time, we know the show is moving forward, and the demo is much more about ironing out the details. So, do we want music? Do we want an introduction that's the same every time? How is the mm-hmm. the chemistry between the hosts? What's the edit going to look like? And it's much more about those bells and whistles, not so much about, is this show going to work at all? This is something we've gained with experience. But if you're out there and you want to start a show, uh, I do really like the idea of demos because it can teach you a lot about the idea itself. It may be that it doesn't work or it may be that it, it works with a tweak or a change. Uh, something recently, we, t- we were talking about Flashback a couple of minutes ago. Uh, Quinn and I did a demo of Flashback and we we ended up releasing it to our members because I had it and I was like, this would be fun for people to hear. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, it's very much like this show, but in other ways, it's pretty different. The edit's a little bit different. The way we approach the topic is different. It wasn't as structured as the show uh, ended up becoming. And it kind of taught us, like, these are some things we need to change. These are things we need to tweak. Uh, I hated the microphone Quinn was using. So when I was editing, I was like, you got to buy something else. And, uh, you know, I sent him some Amazon links. Yeah. like, get one of these. Um, and so it just let us iron out those details. And, you know, Quinn and I are both professional content creators, but we hadn't ever worked together. And even mm-hmm. though we've kind of built a friendship over the last year or so, when you hit record, it's a different thing. And... We just had to work out some things between us and the way that we hosted together. And that demo was a very useful tool to work those things out. We were committed to the idea, but we knew that we wanted a practice run. And so that demo served as that. And normally those demos don't get shared, but we felt it was good enough to send to our members. And we liked the topic and we didn't want to redo the topic. And so, you know, we let members have at it. And I think they enjoyed that that sort of, oh, it's like 90 percent of what of what the show became great great and as somebody who has recently done this out in the open i can't uh stress enough that having a couple of demo episodes uh, a friend and i released a, a show for small businesses a local pot like local to our county mm-hmm. uh around covid19 and like we wanted to get it out fast and so we didn't iron any of that out for the first couple of episodes and you can tell that yeah. we're like kind of figuring it out as we go along and I've been podcasting for six years so I mean it's not it's not like a lack of experience it's just a new 
thing with a different co-host with a different topic and and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, like I said, Quinn and I are both pros and done it a long time, but we still needed it, right? It's yeah. it's just something that no matter how many times you've done something, uh, when you do it with somebody new or a new project, it is new, right? It's its own thing. Like my shows all have their distinct identities from each other, even though I'm a common denominator on them. And it really helps to to work that stuff out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this has been great. I, I want to be respectful of your time, but I do have... Uh, one question before I get to my favorite question okay. of the show that I ask in every episode. And uh, it's a little bit unrelated to what we've been talking about, but Relay on Relay FM, you have sponsors, yeah. but you also have a, a membership. And this is something that I've put a lot of thought into. I'm sure a lot of the listeners have put a lot of thought into, but when you're putting out content, how do you decide what is members only content and what isn't? That's a really good question, man. And it's, it's, it's kind of the <laughs> question, yeah. honestly. And so... The way we think about it, and then I'll give some general advice, hopefully, that would be helpful, is that Relay FM is primarily an ad-supported business. That's reflected in our books. That's reflected in our content. And and so, for us, the public-facing free content is always going to be the first priority. Mm-hmm. Over the years, we have, though, increased the amount of stuff we do just for members, and we're getting ready to do some more stuff along those lines. We, we introduced Backstage not too long ago, a monthly show with me and Mike talking about the stuff we're talking about today, like how to do this <laughs> stuff. And so that's one thing, but there's there's more coming uh, here here this summer. And so for us, it's a, we, we're never going to take something away that's free and make it paid. We're never going to switcheroo somebody behind a paywall. Right. We feel like that's right. unfair to people and we don't want that done to us. So why would we do that to anybody else? Yeah. And so the way we um, think about it is that bonus stuff is extras. And so it is stuff like backstage where it's like, you know, people who are members of a podcast network are probably into podcasting. And so let's make something for those people who are already predisposed to be interested in this, either in doing it themselves or just, you know, uh, inside baseball kind of thing. Right. We also view the membership stuff as a way for people to – See, or see and hear behind the scenes and hear combinations of people who don't normally work together. So we have Fusion, which is a members-only show where I interview two hosts a month about something, whatever's topical that month. Mm-hmm. And it's people who don't have shows together, right? So it's people who may have never recorded together, only record together very rarely. And so that's always fun to, to intermix voices and people and get people together in weird combinations. And then we've got things like our annual specials and other content that is just made for members that is, you know, fun and loosey-goosey and like a reward for backing us and for supporting our work. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's it's um, the membership content is extra stuff. Like I don't, I don't think we would ever launch a a show like Connected or Upgrade, like a tech news show and make it members only. That just doesn't make sense at this point in our business. It may five years from now, but it doesn't today. And so the membership content is stuff that is extra that is made just just for those members. I gotcha. think that Oh, I was yeah, I was going to say that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like backstage is is really good. You you're taking kind of a topic in episode and uh showing people a little bit how the sausage gets made, but also how they can make their own sausage. Uh <laughs> which is, sounds weird. Um but and then the membership shows uh Man, I love I love the membership shows. That's like worth the price of admission for me. Thank you. So, 
I think I wanted to ask this because I think you guys are really doing it right. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And um, I think you'll you'll like what we're doing this summer then. Um, awesome. But I think if you're out there and you're, you're thinking about this, the word of advice I have is really just to make sure that the, the timing is correct. Uh, I see so many creators rush into mon- monetization through, through support, you know, Patreon or Memberful, whatever mechanism you use. And you promise a bunch of perks and your show's not big enough, your product's not big enough to really support that. And, and what I mean by that is people may sign up but then are you on the hook for an extra episode every month for eight people? Like mm-hmm. That's a lot of work for the money you're getting in mm-hmm. return. And so my advice is always make sure the timing's right. Make sure you have some, some momentum behind your project and start small, right? People who really want to support you will support you even if all they get is a sticker, right? And you can add additional content to membership stuff over time. You can never take it away. Like that's... That's the thing, right? Like if you commit to something and people back you to get it or they get it because they back you, which are like that, it's the same sentence backwards and forwards. They say different yeah. things. Uh, th- that's really difficult is to, is to back something out of that. And so you got to be really careful uh, in adding things to make sure that you're not actually spending more time and more effort than is justified. And that's how we've done it. We started very small and we've added stuff over time. And now, like, membership is, a, you know, a lot of how I spend some weeks out of a month, depending on what week it is. Some weeks, it's basically all I do is membership stuff. And as it's grown in size and importance, we've added content to it, and it's kind of become this virtuous cycle. We add more stuff to it, more people show up, so we add more stuff to it, mm-hmm. so more people show up. And that's really wh- where you want it to get, but it can take a long time. I, I don't say that to be discouraging. I know that it's easy to hear somebody who you know, has found, you know, a little bit of success in this, say, oh, well, you got to, you know, you, you can't jump into it and be successful off the bat. Like, I don't say that to put anybody's project down. I say that because I've made those mistakes. I say that because I've been frustrated with that in my own work outside of Relay of, hey, why is no one interested in this? Like, I wrote my blog for like six years before anyone cared. And the first time I was on Daring Fireball, a friend of mine wrote a post and they got fireballed. I was like, come on, you know, like uh, <laughs> I've been there. I've toiled. I've done that work where no one's paying attention. And the truth of the matter is the internet's a big place. It takes time to be discovered. And when you add the the monetization to it, it complicates all those decisions. So start small, make sure the timing's right, make sure you got some momentum and, and any creative project you should do because you want to do it, not because you think it's going to pay the bills. Because most creative projects don't pay the bills, right? Like I've got shows that I do that on paper don't make sense because they, they're not big enough or they don't they don't sell enough or whatever it may be. You know, my website and YouTube channel are still kind of in that most months of like, mm-hmm. spend a lot of time here. It's kind of break even on the spreadsheet, but I choose to do it because I want to. And all that's got to go into that decision-making. It's not just about flipping on the button on Patreon. It's all those decisions that go into it beforehand. That's great advice. And it's, uh, I definitely feel that because when I hit, I think like 50,000 lifetime downloads, uh, which was like pretty early on in the show, I thought this was enough of an audience to launch a Patreon. And so I launched a Patreon and I promised way too much. uh, And then like, like ad free shows, because I was just taking what other people were doing on Patreon. And I thought this will work for me. And I got like one patron 
at the lowest level. And I was like, now I have to do all this stuff for $2. Uh, So um, what you said is, is should not be taken as discouraging by anybody. Uh, It, it should be really advice that should be uh, heated. You know, you should take that advice to heart. Um, And so we've been talking for nearly an hour at this point. Uh, So I do want to get to my favorite question, uh, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Now, trade Mm. secrets in this context, right? That's like just good advice that you like to impart on people that that you think people need to hear. So I don't have to tell you about the secret, like, underground podcast bunker where some of us have tickets to not that I that mean, doesn't exist that's what i th- that's what i meant yeah. that's what i meant yeah it's under the desert in nevada <laughs> perfect the flag uh, cgp gray just did a video on that i think yeah, yeah seriously <laughs> i was so worried when i saw that video i was like don't go in the tunnel you're gonna die i know i was like uh, <laughs> i was like how are you gonna get out i'm like he released it so he did but i'm still nervous about yeah it. someone released it it could have been him <laughs> yeah, that's true uh, that's yeah that's true. a that's a that's a good question and i think for me it comes back to what we just talked about is that these things take time. So sort of my thing is like, just be patient with yourself and be patient with your project. Very few things in this world are successful overnight. Podcasting or not, just like anything. Very few things hit overnight. And Mm -hmm. you need to be aware of that so you don't get frustrated. You need to be aware of that so you can make sound decisions around content, creativity, business, all all those factors. And I think you should be aware of it because... You can be in a situation where you like want to throw your hands in too early, or you're going to throw the towel in too early, excuse me. And uh, so, uh, you know, a story I've told before, so forgive me, but in like 2010, 2011, probably, I really took a swing at can I make 512 pixels a job? Like, can I really like turn it into a blog that people show up and read every day and sell enough ads or do a membership or do something and it pay my bills. And I spent about two years really, really pushing it. And it didn't really work. In fact, I think I made the blog worse <laughs> in those years. <laughs> and and so I backed off of it. And every year since I backed off of it, the site has been bigger than the year before, which is wow. wild, something 12 years in. And also like people just don't read blogs anymore. And... I attribute that to, I was patient. I tried something. I tried it for a couple of years. It didn't work. And then I changed my mind about some things. And and so if you're patient, yeah, it's really lame. Like when you work really hard and no one shows yeah. up. But you may have to do that to get to the thing that's going to be successful. You may have to do that to learn something about yourself or about your work to unlock it at the next level. And and that just takes time and and patience and perseverance. And those those are things that at least I'm not very good at sometimes. And, I, I, you know, I don't think I'm alone in that. But if you can really think about things in that way, you can really find victory at the end of it. I, I love that. I think that's so true. Um, and you are certainly not alone in that. Like, I've been in panic mode before where I'm like, I need to make money right now. So yep. I'm going to do this. That has worked out exactly zero times. Yep. So. Uh, take, uh, these things take time. Be patient. Very few things hit overnight. I think that's really great advice to end on. Stephen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me at Relay.fm. I host a bunch of shows there. And you can find my writing at 512pixels.net. And I'm on Twitter as ISMH. 
Awesome. And I will link to all of those and everything we talked about in the show notes. I will probably just link to Relay FM. Cool. Uh, since we mentioned like all of the shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I will definitely link to like some specific episodes that we mentioned here. Um, so thank you. Thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks again so much to Stephen for joining us today. I think he offered lots of great advice. And some of the tips that uh, are big takeaways for me are make sure the timing is correct because I fell into the trap of rushing into paid support and perks and start small. I thought that I needed to offer everything under the sun to people who were going to throw even just a couple of bucks at me. So Again, after this conversation, after we recorded this, I started to really think about the How I Built It membership. And I I have some fun things in store, hopefully for this fall. But we'll see about that. If you were to become a member, let me know. What would you want to see from this? Uh, You can get notes and links and everything that we talked about over at howibuilt.it slash 180. Thanks so much to Yes Please iThemes and Text Expander for sponsoring this week. I'm real excited about this lineup of sponsors. I've been drinking Yes Please coffee for several weeks now. I use Text Expander every single day and iThemes constantly puts out great products and the team over there is fantastic. So definitely check them out and thank them for their support of this show. If you liked this episode, be sure to give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, get out there and build something.